I'd like to talk to you today about breaking the cycle of bondage. So much of the Bible is about this topic, whether it's a nation or it's an individual. Uh, that's the business of God. He does for nations and he does for people what, uh, what they cannot do for themselves. You know, man left to themselves uh, just goes downhill. Uh, whenever God comes on the scene, he picks them up, puts the pieces back together again, and sets them on their feet and gives them a purpose for living. I want to encourage you uh, about this meeting that they're having down in Pittsburgh in two weeks at the Consul Energy Center. Uh, this is just not for Christians to go together to have a good time. This is for you to bring your friend to that needs Christ as their savior. Uh, they've been promoting it forever. They only have, I think, it, I think it's 18,000 seats. Uh, but the, the guy that works with you, the lady that works for you that just needs the Lord, uh, you can usually just get them committed to say, hey, listen, Billy Graham's son is speaking here in Pittsburgh. Let's go and uh, let's have dinner together. Get there early. I think you need to get there early. But uh, don't just look at it as an as a entertainment thing. This, is, this whole thing is aimed uh, to try to bring people to Christ. Actually, we have two people that I know in our church that's, that have been brought to Christ uh, years ago th through the ministry of Billy Graham. And so his son is following in his footsteps and I think doing a terrific job. So uh, you just think about people you'd like to take. Okay. And Judges chapter 6, Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. Uh, God is bound to, uh, to respond to evil action from his people. And so in verse number 1, we have two things. We have the statement that Israel has turned its back on God. And God now has lifted, follow me, God has lifted the barrier of, barrier of protection against his people Israel. It's God that protects a nation, not their armaments. It's God that protects people. He is so powerful, exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. So he, he lifts the hedge of protection against Israel. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. Because the Midianites, the children of Israel, made for themselves the dens, the caves, the strongholds, which are in the mountains. And so it was, whenever Israel had sown, they, they planted their gardens. Midianites would come up also, and the Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them. They would be raided. Then they would camp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza. And leave no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep, nor ox, nor donkey. The enemies of Israel, which all of us are aware of even today, Israel has always been at war. The enemies of Israel would come up against them and would take everything that they had and completely pillage their land uh, at least once a year. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents, coming as numerous as locusts, 
both they and their camels were without number, and, and they would enter the land and destroy it. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Now this is the process right here. Israel turns their back on God. God lifts the hedge of protection against the nation of Israel. The Midianites come in and they destroy everything that Israel holds dear to themselves. Israel finds itself in a position where they cry out to the Lord. Usually people don't cry out to the Lord when everything is going well. They cry out to God when things are all messed up. And so here we have a picture. And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because of the Midianites, the Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel. Remember, this was one of God's chief ways to talk to people back in that day. Uh, Hebrews chapter 1. God at various times and in various ways spoke in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. God was always sending a prophet. Tell the people. Give the message. This prophet came to Israel and, uh, and he told them, remember what God did for you back when he released you from bondage. Remember how God has been so good to you. In verse 11, now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree. Now remember I mentioned to you earlier that the angel of the Lord is none other than the second person of the Trinity, Jesus. A pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus. I think uh, most people have the idea, and, and this is a natural assumption, most people have the idea that Jesus uh, appeared, of course, for the first time at Bethlehem. You know, he, God became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. But in the Old Testament, we have this personage. He's called the angel of the Lord. Look it up in, on your computer in your browser, the angel of the Lord. And you'll find repeatedly throughout the Old Testament that the angel of the Lord is showing up, intervening in the lives of people. That's Jesus in a pre-incarnate, pre-Bethlehem appearance. Here he is, verse 11. Uh, and he appeared to a person named Gideon. Gideon is the sixth judge or deliverer of Israel. What is Gideon doing? He's threshing wheat in the wine press in order to hide it from the Midianites. Because if you don't hide what you have, you lose it. And so he is in fear. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and he said to him, uh, the Lord is with you, you mighty men of valor. Every time I read that, uh, a smile comes on my face because this is so strange to understand. Here is, here is Gideon. He's afraid. He's uh, secretly trying to provide food for his family. Uh, he's, uh, he's working, trying to get some uh, provisions and the Lord says, listen, uh, you are a mighty man of valor, and the Lord is with you. Now, I like the honesty of Gideon. Gideon came right back and said this, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? 
How many times have you heard people say that? Well, if God is on your side, why is this happening to you? That's exactly what Gideon said right here. If the Lord's here, where is he? I don't see him. And, and uh, he questioned this. And where are all the miracles which our fathers told us about? He was curious. Verse number 14. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours. Now, I've underlined that in my Bible because that's important. Gideon, I am calling you on a mission. I believe that God calls us all on missions in life. I think he has a plan for our life. God is a planner. He really is. You know, some people live their life spontaneously. Whatever happens, happens. And whatever given in time, it just explodes. God is a planner. Uh, I think he has our life planned. And I think he wants us to be so submissive to him that we can really sense his plan and go in his direction. But uh, the conditions of, of Gideon were dire. For 350 years during the course of the book of Judges, we find this cycle that Israel went through. It's really discouraging. It's, um, here it is. Israel serves the Lord. Israel falls into sin. Israel is enslaved. There's always a price to pay whenever you go the wrong direction in life. It's never free. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Uh, it's, uh, it's an awful thing. Israel is enslaved. What happens when they destroy themselves because of their sin? They decide that it's time to, we're down at the bottom now. They cry out to the Lord. And uh, it's amazing that we serve a God who keeps coming to our rescue. This, this is amazing to me. No matter how many times we mess up, he keeps coming back. That, that, that personally, like, blows my mind. So here we are. Israel cries out to God. God raises up a judge or a deliverer. Israel is delivered. And Israel serves the Lord. And whenever a person serves the Lord, life doesn't get any better than that. That's as best as it could ever be. When you worship and serve the Lord, you've got it. That's the purpose for which God made you. You are living your destiny. But you know, God uses tough times to get our attention. Some of these deliverers of Israel were more famous than others. Gideon, of whom I speak this morning, was more, more famous than some of the others. I mentioned to you last week that there were 13 spirit-anointed leaders in Israel raised up to lead his people over a period of 350 years. Uh, when Gideon got the call from God, Israel had already gone through several of these cycles. And so now it's Gideon's turn uh, to be used by God. And uh, he's going to respond to the message of the Lord. Verse number one says that Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. And verse number one also says, so the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Midianites. Uh, sin always has a consequence. I wish I didn't have to say that, but I do. Uh, and, and the reason why it does is because God doesn't overlook it. That's why. 
Sometimes we blow it off, you know, oh, it wasn't much. God doesn't overlook it. Psalm 11 verse 7 says this, For the righteous Lord loves justice. Now you hear people talking all the time about God's love, don't you? And, and I think that's a, that's a good thing. Because a lot of people have the idea that God doesn't love anybody. You know, that he's like this mean ogre that's just up in heaven trying to make everybody's life as miserable as possible. And so, and so we need to hear about the love of God because there's, people need the love of God. But we can't stop there. There is something more. It is the justice of God. And the justice of God means that God must take action against an infraction of his law. He's bound to do that. One of my most favorite passages of scripture in the Old Testament is Exodus 34, 7 when God is explaining to Moses who he is. I love it. This is what he says. I'm a God who keeps mercy for thousands. I'm a merciful God, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. I'm a forgiving God, but by no means clearing the guilty. Even though God is a God of love, he's also a God of justice, and that means there's no free pass for sin. No free pass. He says, listen, I love everybody. I want to forgive them. I'm a God of mercy. I'm a God of grace. But I will not let the guilty go unpunished. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. And I think that means this, that sin runs down through families. Somebody's in jail. They say you, you go to jail and you visit them and they say, oh, yeah, my father, he, he used to be in jail, too. And his dad, he was a crook. Kind of sin runs down through families. Now that doesn't mean that it has to. That doesn't mean it has to. But that's kind of a general rule. Godliness runs through families too. My father was a Sunday school teacher. And I'm, theor and I'm just talking in generalities here. My father was a Sunday school teacher and his father was a Sunday school teacher. And his father was a missionary. See, righteousness runs down through families too. But the calling in life is this, is that no matter what our family heritage is, we can always break the chain of bondage. We can always break the chain and say, listen, I'm going to break the chain, and as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Now, in order for these people, Israel, to be, break the cycle of bondage, they had to be humbled. I remember years ago, a young boy, somebody brought a young boy into my office and, and uh, like, Pastor, can you help us? This kid at that time was on drugs. And I understand through talking to him that when a person is on drugs, that's all they think about. They can't think about anything else. And you can reason with him and you can, you, know, you can think you have every trick and every argument known to man, but it just doesn't register with that person because all they can think about is where they get the next fix. And so here he comes into my office and I'm going to do my best to deprogram him. And so I'm talking to him and I'm talking about what are you doing with your life? Why are you doing this? It makes no sense. I learned from him it doesn't matter that it makes no sense. It just doesn't matter. 
And so I'm, I'm getting as strong as I can to help him. This is all my, this is all my attempt to help him. And I, I grabbed a piece of paper off of my desk and I, I rolled it up in a ball and I, I said, I, I shot, you know, I, it's like a hook shot or, you know, basketball. And I shot it over and it just so happened God put it in the trash can by accident. And I said, now this is what you're doing to your life. You're throwing it away. You're putting it in the trash. I thought that would help him. I don't know if it did or not, but I did the best I could. Now, most people never, the people like that never really start to go up until there's nowhere else to go down to, right? Uh, and so this is what the story of the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel was on the bottom. These people were living in caves. They had to produce some food for their family. They were so humiliated. They were working, they were in poverty. Uh, you know, it doesn't get any more painful than for a man or a woman not to be able to provide for their family. That's as painful as it can get. They lost the means of providing for their family. Uh, they had no way to survive. And I think today a lot of people in our country are thinking about survival, don't you think? We're, we're looking at the news and we're thinking, well, when's this world just going to all explode? And, you know, I don't think that's so far-fetched to think like that. And so we have a list of things that we, that we need to survive in this world. And essentially what we're doing is we're trying to survive, right? And so if you were making a list, what would you put on it? Uh, you would put food on there, right? Uh, there's a large industry today uh, providing all kind of emergency food. You can buy food, you can put it in your basement, it'll last forever, um, and uh, that's a good thing. I'm not going to ask you how many people here have that in your basement, because uh, I want to come over and get some of it when I need it. Uh, and I, I commend you for that. I think that's good. Uh, we need protection, guns, for personal and national protection against evil. You know, without guns, uh, people stand helpless against predators. People who would come and steal everything you have away from you. Governments that would come against you. You see, back in, during World War II, the Germans had guns. The Jews had no guns. So this is a simple lesson from the past. Some people say, well, you know, I have gold and silver. Uh, whenever these paper bills that are printed uh, have no value, I have gold and silver. Well, I think that's a good thing, but how long will that last? I think people need seeds to plant in the ground. They need some ground to grow it in. And people are thinking more and more about these things all the time. And so we have these list of things, survival things that we need in this life, and I think it's good to be prepared for these things. But more than anything else, we need God. We need God. Because he can make up the difference. He really can. And so these people, they were trying to work every angle. But what they really needed was God. C.S. Lewis says this, God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks to us in our conscience. 
but he shouts to us in our pain. Uh, and so they call out on God, and God responds. He sends a prophet. And then he comes in the form of the angel of the Lord in verse number 11. God sees more in people than we do. The angel of the Lord appeared to, to Gideon. And uh, he begins to tell him that he has a mission. Now, I just want us this morning to think a few minutes about who Gideon was. He was a, a person in hiding. Usually when people are threshing uh, wheat, they're on top of the hill. So that whenever they throw the wheat up, up like this, the wind would come by and would blow away the chaff. It would separate the chaff from the wheat. But during that period of time, you're not threshing wheat on top of the hill because you're doing it in secret. You're doing it in a hiding place. And so he's in hiding, and he's working hard to provide a living for his family. I believe God calls working people because the Lord's work is just that. It's work. It's hard work. It's emotional work. It's spiritual work and it's physical work. For instance, when God called Moses, he was working. When he called David, he was working. When he called Elisha, he was working. The apostles of our Lord, they were working when he called them. They were fishing, they were cleaning their nets, that's hard work. God's work is not for lazy people. God looks down and he says, ah, a worker. That's the person I want, the person that will show up and go to work. And so he finds Gideon trying to provide for his family, and, and he says, The Lord is with you, you mighty men of valor. And I think whenever he said that to Gideon, Gideon probably looked around and thought maybe he was talking to someone else in the room. Because Gideon didn't view himself like that. But remember this, God sees us differently than we see ourselves. He sees our future. We can only see our present. And our present may not be pleasant to look at. And it may be depressing, and his certainly was. But God says, I have something more for you. You are a mighty man of valor. Wow, Gideon, I don't think he understood that. Uh, I'm sending you to go save Israel from her enemies. Uh, look at verse 14. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours. Now, I've underlined that in my Bible because that's important. So here's Gideon. He's hiding. He's fearful. He's traumatized. He's afraid for, that his Family is going to die because he can't provide for them. He's a wreck. Uh, and the Lord says, now listen, I want you to go save, be a leader and save the nation of Israel. And I want you to do it in your might. Now this is a trick right here. In your might. His might. What is his might? Doesn't look to me like he has any. Now on your notes, I've giving you some blanks you can fill in here. The first thing I think he's talking about is the fact that Gideon was humble. He was threshing wheat on the wine press floor. He had uh, 
the might of humility. And then he had the might of caring because he cared about the low place of Israel in the world. And then he had the might of knowledge because he knew God had done great things in the past. And then he had the might of the spiritually hungry because he wanted to see God do great works again. And then he had the might of teachability. You know, that's important. Because he listened to what the angel of the Lord said. He could have said, listen, we think in Israel God is dead personally because we're so forsaken. We call out to him and nothing happens. But he was teachable. And then the grand finale of it all is this, that Gideon had the might of weakness. That's what he said. He said in verse number 15, Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least of my father's house. And in effect, what he's saying is, I don't think I'm the person you need for this task. I'm the least, I'm the weakest. And, uh, and so that's what God was looking for. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 and 10 is uh, it's a great passage on this subject. Uh, and he said to Paul, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. God's looking for weak people. Uh, the Lord's not on a talent contest. Uh, uh, you know, he's not on a talent search. You, whenever you think about people serving the Lord, I know I, I feel this way sometimes. You look at somebody and you say, boy, this person really has their life together. They have a good presentation. They're educated. They're tactful. They have all these qualities that God could really use. Um, and we think, well, that person would really be used by God. And then we look at ourselves and we say, boy, I don't have that, and I don't have that, and I don't have that, and I don't have that. And uh, God's looking for weak people. Because Paul said, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Uh, and so what that essentially means is this. Whenever somebody who has it all together actually serves the Lord, it's so easy for them to say, well, you know, I, I knew I could really do this thing. But when a weak person serves the Lord and blessings flow from that service, that person says, you know, I know I couldn't do this. God did this. And then you look at that person and you say, I, I know they could never do that, so therefore God must have done that. And so who gets the glory? God, right? And so I'm saying this morning this, that God is looking for a bunch of weak people. People who say, Lord, I can't do this. This is not part of my makeup. This is not my personality. That's the people that God is looking for. And so, uh, and so the angel of the Lord 
uh, further comes and uh, gives Gideon peace, down in verse number 23. And then Gideon heads out into his ministry. A ministry is hard. Now look how hard his was, verse 25. And it came to pass the same night that the Lord said to him, Take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years old, and tear down the altar of Baal that your father has, and cut down the wooden image that is beside it, and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of the rock that is in the proper arrangement. Go tear down your father's altar. Wow, how hard is that? You know, uh, tearing down your father's anything would be pretty hard, don't you think? His father was an idolater and was serving Baal, and he says, now Gideon, your first job is to go to your home uh, to go right in your backyard and tear down the idols that your family has. And so this is the beginning of our service for the Lord. Whenever God calls you to serve him, we first of all have to tear down our own idols. We have to go and work in our own backyard. You know, it's easy to work in someone else's backyard, isn't it? We look across the fence and say, oh, that guy needs that. I know him. He really needs the Lord. This person is so messed up. They need to stop this. They need to stop that. Uh, the Lord tells Gideon, listen, you're a dad. Go tear down his altar. He's an idol worshiper. Clean up your own backyard. Knock down your idols. And so I think this is God's message to us today. Before we can think about cleaning up someone else, we have to go home and burn our idols. We have to go home and destroy those things that are keeping us from God. And then, and then only, can we have an effective ministry for Christ. We have to make our own altar before we can talk to other people about tearing down theirs. And so, let's follow the plan of the Lord right here. Now, Gideon, um, he was a person who did exactly that. He tore down his dad's altar, and he probably thought... How do you do this? But he was willing to trust the Lord and give the result to God. You know, Gideon didn't have great faith, and this is my last point this morning, because whenever, he, uh, whenever the Spirit of God came upon him and sent him out, the Bible says he blew a trumpet and he attracted all of these thousands of warriors uh, to be with him but he was still asking God for a sign. Actually, three times in this chapter, he asked God for a sign. And, and you, you remember the sign. It was a, a fleece of wool. And he said, Lord, I'm going to put this fleece of wool out here, and if the dew is on it in the morning and it's dry around it, then I'll know that what you're saying to me is really real. And God did that. And then he went back to the Lord and he said, well, now, Lord, I, one more time, please forgive me for this prayer. Have you ever done that? Please forgive me, Lord. I, I'm bothering you again. Uh, how, about, how about making it dry on the, on the wool and wet around the grass? And so the Lord did that. Uh, Gideon wasn't a person of great faith. Uh, but he realized 
that he had to obey the Lord. You know, God uses tough times to get our attention. And so I, if you're here today and you're going through a tough time, I wouldn't be surprised because life is filled with tough times. But it's not all that bad if it's leading us to God. If it's leading us in the right direction. God sees more in people than we do. The next time you uh, have a tendency to judge somebody whether God's going to really use them or not, don't do that. Don't do that. Only God sees the heart. Our ministry begins at home first. And I want to challenge everybody in our church today. Go home and tear down your idols. Tear down those things in your life that are hindering you from God. Could be a relationship. Could be the wrong kind of friends. Wrong places you've been going. Habits, you know, you name it. Things that are keeping you from God, tear them down. Uh, turn them into an altar for God. And then the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you and God will use you. And here's the, here's the grand finale of the message this morning. Uh, Gideon was a person who didn't have much faith. You, you just study chapter 6, you find he didn't have a lot of faith. God uses people with little faith. Let's say that together. God uses people with little faith. One more time. God uses people with little faith. Hudson Taylor said this. He was a missionary to China for 51 years. He said, God isn't looking for people of great faith, but for individuals ready to follow him. And so you don't have to have a lot of faith. You just have to have enough faith to put that foot out there and go in the right direction. You might say, well, it's going to be fearful if I do that. Yeah, it will be. But just keep walking in the right direction, and God will bless you. Let's bow our heads in prayer. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed this morning, let us think about uh, our own backyard. What's there? Do we have some idols at home? Things that we bow down to, things that are stopping us from getting to God? Well, I'll tell you what, this could be a, a life changer day for you if you go home from this service and say, okay, I'm cleaning house. I'm not going to that place anymore that drags me down. I'm not hanging with this person. I'm not participating in that habit. I'm going to be a kinder husband. I'm going to be gentler with my kids. I'm going to do those things that I know God wants me to do. I'm going to build an altar to God. And I'm going to start worshiping the real God rather than these things which I've created in my life. I'll tell you, if you meet God and you're honest, He'll give you the strength to tear down the altars to false gods. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for the story of Gideon. Just a simple guy trying to make a living. You called him to do something that he couldn't do, and you gave him the power to do it. And Lord, today I think you're calling some people in our church to do some things that they need to do 
but they can't but they think they can't do it just like Gideon I pray that you'll give us just that needed faith to obey you not great faith just little faith to put that one foot down and go in the right direction we pray this in Jesus name amen let's stand together as we have our invitation this morning and as we stand and sing together if you'd like to come and pray about anything that's going on in your life or you'd like to come and unite with our church this morning you feel free to do that as we sing together in the secret in the quiet place